You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Yeah, my generation was raised by pornography. When it comes to learning sexuality, porn was our parent. Porn was our substitute girlfriend. Porn was our sex ed teacher. And I think more importantly, it became our pacifier. I like to say a trigger is a time machine. And when I get triggered, I'm in the time machine. And that's where pornography comes in, in that freeze state. Um, it, it puts, it puts a, a stop to, to the crying child. It's not a battle against our sexuality. It's a battle for the sake of sexuality. Basically, every trigger tells a story. It's a time machine taking me back to when I was five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old. And the origin story becomes amazingly apparent. Like it's not that hard to find when you ask a very simple question. When have I felt this way before? Porn is a cheap substitute. It's really a symbol for the thing that I really do need, that I really do want. We can experience that kind of reparenting by the father, then that little boy can grow up. Dear young married couple, You're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling, And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to outgrow porn. And before we introduce our awesome guest, we have a shout out to give to Lulu Linares. Lulu said, I love this podcast. I also follow Dear Young Married Couple on Instagram. I can't even begin to explain how much these podcasts have helped our marriage. We've been married for almost two years and all of the advice given and shared is so helpful to us. We're so grateful for all that is poured into us through these amazing episodes that are filled with so much wisdom. Thank you. And we thank you, Lulu. Thanks so much for sharing that review. Today, our conversation is with Drew Boa. He's from Husband Material Men, and he's a coach and communicator. He has a really good thing going, helping guys and gals uh, become free from pornography addiction. And the way he says it is that he's helping men outgrow porn. And he's super passionate about helping people um, outgrow porn prior to marriage so that they can be husband material. Right. So I love his concept. He's also an author of a book, a workbook called Redeemed Sexuality. It's a a book for um, small groups and um, peer-led groups. And um, he's a pastoral sex addiction professional. He has a master's degree from Wheaton College Graduate School. 
And um, he also has a free download about the method that he's going to share today that we will link in um, the show notes. So be sure to download that PDF and um, you'll have that resource available to you. And we're really excited about this. This method is really neat and it's Mm -hmm. something that is easy enough that you can remember all of it, but will help you in your quest either to help others or help yourself. And so here we go. Well, welcome, Drew, to the podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. Thanks, Carissa. Yeah. So we've been following your stuff for quite a while, and we reached out because you have a wealth of information, expertise, experience to pour into our audience. And we know from the inquiries that we get for counseling that there are so many folks dealing with pornography addiction, both men and women. I know you focus a lot on helping men outgrow porn, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of the um, principles that you'll share today, I'm sure can apply to women as well. And so uh, we're excited to jump in. Yeah. So I guess a, a good question to begin with is um, you're probably seeing a lot of pornography use, even in the church. Um, like, why do you think it's such a hidden issue? In the church? Yes. Yeah. Part of the reason I believe is because a lot of church leaders are struggling too. And they're often not in a church culture where it's safe to disclose those kinds of things. They could lose their job. And so only 7% of churches right now, according to a Barna study from 2016, have a program to help people struggling with porn. And Wow. With wow coming out with my book, Redeem Sexuality, and trying to offer it to Christian organizations and colleges and churches, I found there's a lot of resistance in leadership. And Uh. some of that seems to be personal. And then also, I think part of it is just burnout. Like a lot of churches are really just trying to survive right now. Just Just one more thing, huh? Yes. And it's a huge thing. So how are we ever going to tackle this? Ah, yeah. So say there's someone listening and they're in church leadership, whether they're the pastor or a support supporting minister. And they're like, man, like, I think this is really important for us to tackle this subject. Um, What would you talk to them about in terms of getting started? One way to get started, at least for helping men, would be to point them to the private Facebook group that I run, which is a great baby step for people who want to get connected to other guys and get started on their journey to freedom, but they want to do so anonymously and it's all online so they can do it from wherever they are. Another great organization is Pure Desire Ministries. Mm -hmm. They work with local churches to start groups for men and women, both addicts and those who've been betrayed. Okay. What do you think the numbers are um, right now? I, I, I know of one study on my mind, but maybe you know some more. What are the numbers for the amount of people or the percentage of the men addicted in church? It's hard because it's always self-reported. Um, sure. And <laughs> what do you suspect it is? <laughs> I suspect it's at least 70%. Definitely most yeah. men in church are struggling. And also studies show that maybe even up to 50% of women too are yeah. struggling mm-hmm. Audrey Assad is a, a woman who's been very public with her own pornography addiction and yeah. how mm-hmm. God has been healing her. And she says that 
while men seem to be struggling in a shared prison cell, like we're looking at each other like, oh man, it, it sucks that we're all in here. <laughs> at least God loves us. At least he forgives us in the middle of our enslavement. Yeah. It's as uh -huh. if women are in solitary cells, unaware that anyone else is mm. even, let me say it this way, um, that women feel like they're in solitary confinement, unaware that the people right next to them are in the exact same prison cell. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That paints the picture pretty well. And I think it paints a picture too of probably how or what they make that mean about themselves. Right. Like, yes. am I crazy? Am I different? Am I weird? Or like, mm -hmm. like something's off, something's broken in me. Yeah. And then not realizing that it is so common. I think there was a study um, on uh, fundamental churches yeah. that was done, I think 2010. So it's, it's quite old. I'm sure the numbers have even increased oh, no. since then, but it said that in the millennial category, so 18 to 35, um, for men, it was 75% in church. Yeah. And for women, it was 74%. So, I mean, pretty much the same. So I think your estimations are are quite accurate, even um, according to one of the studies that, that we've seen. But um, yeah, it's, it's so common. And it's probably one of the number one um, inquiries that we get for individual counseling, yeah. uh, both for men and then sometimes for women too. Yeah. Yeah. My generation was raised by pornography mm -hmm. when it comes to learning sexuality. Porn was our parent. Porn was our substitute girlfriend. Porn was our sex ed teacher. And I think more importantly, it became our pacifier. So whatever pain we experienced as children, as preteens became diverted into pornography and it became the way that we coped with life and survived yep. whatever neglect or abandonment or abuse we were dealing with maybe without a lot of support. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. so for those people that are hooked that are listening and keep thinking, well, I'll get rid of this and then I'll tell mm. my wife or then I'll, you know, I'll have the victory someday. Can you do it by yourself or do you need to address those things? With others. With others. If porn is a pacifier and it is ultimately not the problem per se, but our ineffective solution for the real problems, for the childhood wounds right. that we've received. The coping then, mechanism. Yeah, exactly. We receive those wounds in relationships. And so we need to be healed in relationships with God, mm -hmm. with others, and within myself. So good. So you actually talk about this. I've seen both the comment, porn is a pacifier. Mm -hmm. um, and then also going back to childhood wounds to actually address what it is um, at the core. Um, can you talk a little bit about the method that you developed to help yeah. people dissect that? Totally. It's called the floss method. Personally, okay. I do not like flossing my teeth. <laughs> I don't know about you. Amen. <laughs> Brushing feels comfortable to me. Uh, just stay uh -huh. on the surface level. 
but when I get out that floss, I don't know what I'm going to find down there. It, <laughs> it could be gross. It could be from two days ago down in those deep, dark places. And uh-huh. I think in the same way, um, in our brains, we can try to clean ourselves up at the surface level, uh, mm-hmm. just addressing my sexual behavior, uh, maybe trying to put some measures in place to remove my access to porn or to get an accountability mm-hmm. partner or something. I'm still kind of just scrubbing the surface level. What okay. the floss method allows you to do is to go to those deeper, darker places where some of these urges and impulses might be coming from to get mm-hmm. below the surface. Okay. And it's an acronym, F-L-O-S-S. Yeah, and, so walk us through each of mm-hmm. the letters. Yeah, totally. So whenever you get triggered, and by the way, this is not just confined to sexual behavior. This is mm-hmm. any time in which an event or a person in your life provokes a disproportionate reaction. Okay. Can you give an example of what that might be? Yeah, totally. So if I go into work and my boss lets me know about a mistake I made. For some people, that might be a slight disappointment, maybe a frustration, um, maybe a bit of sadness or confusion, or even a little bit of fear around Uh what this might mean. For others, even a little comment like that can be devastating. It could be crushing. It can just totally absorb my attention and my energy for the rest of the day. You think, why am I feeling like this? Like, what's going on? And maybe in marriage, if a little thing or a seemingly small thing turns into a huge thing, Mm -hmm. then you know you're being triggered. Okay. You know that something is going on in your brain and body, which you can't see. It's not on the surface but it's very Mm -hmm. real. And some of these triggers are exactly the things which turn us toward pornography or whatever your coping mechanism might be. Sure. Yeah. For some, it could be food. For some, it could be alcohol. Mm -hmm. Yep. And being a big thing for someone could be just not being able to get off it. Just it keeps replaying over and over and over, stays in your mind. Right. Can't shed it. Yeah. Okay. Let me give you an example for me. A a time when I get triggered is if I set up a time to hang out with somebody and they don't show up. Ah. Devastates (laughs) me. It's like, okay. That usually in my adult mature thinking, I'm realizing maybe something came up for them. There's probably something I don't know. But on the inside, I am not feeling that way. Uh huh. There's anger coming up. There's, and not just anger, but aggression. There's, mm-hmm. there's a desire maybe to avoid the person. Okay. And this is exactly the kind of situation that derails us into mm-hmm. things like pornography. Okay. So yep. the F of the floss method stands for fear. Specifically, okay. fight, flight, or freeze. Okay. Yep. These are very natural and normal responses to danger. Mm-hmm. The thing is, we sometimes have these responses even when there is no danger. Yeah. Like when my friend doesn't show up, it doesn't mean the friendship is in danger. True. But my body is telling me, watch out. Yeah. Because your mm-hmm. brain registered it as a yes. possible threat. Yeah. Mostly. 
what do you what do you make that mean for yourself? Mm-hmm. The the meaning the body could take in is that you are isolated or you're mm-hmm. not good enough. You're not good enough. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing about that. It may not be true in the moment. It probably felt true at one time when you were younger. Mm. Okay. Maybe it was true. For example, for me, when I was in middle school, 13 years old, my friends, or at least I thought they were my friends, would often ignore my text messages and calls while they were hanging out with each other and excluding me. So there were times when I was very intentionally rejected, lied to, betrayed. Sure. And here's here's the key. I feel like that little boy again in those moments. Right. Yep. Takes you right back. Takes me right and back. And your brain thinks that yep. it's it's true because yeah. it was true at one time. <laughs> right. right. So I like to say a trigger is a time machine. And when I get triggered, I'm in the time machine. I might uh, not realize it. It's completely under my awareness. Right. Unless I'm able to floss it out. Um, but I'm going into that fight, flight, or freeze response. Uh, the fight response, you, you know that's happening in your body when you feel the need to power up. Um, a more aggressive response. Um, there's there's a, a clenching, a, a tightening, and, and I'm feeling like I would like to move against this person or this thing that's happening. I want to resist it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually often something that leads us into porn. Which, yeah. which can be violent. It's more violent than ever and, and aggressive. And one of the types of porn that I was drawn to was the kind of sexual fantasy where there's power and domination and I get to be the one on top in charge. And that's exactly the opposite of what was going on for me when I was 12 and 13 years old, feeling powerless. Yep. Oh. Feeling like there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. And so... In other words, that fight response coming up with in me, that that yeah. feeling of 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 animosity towards this guy mm-hmm. uh, who who seems like he ditched me, um, that's a fight response. Yeah. the The flight response is also powering up, but rather than moving against, it's tr- I'm trying to move away. Right. Mm. And yeah. and so in marriage, we see this all the time, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. That for fight sure. or flight. Yep. Um, so a lot of I'm people gonna, try to withdraw yeah. and avoid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or protect. Sometimes the, the, the flight is for like, I can't right. act out. I can't do something. So I'm going to retreat. I'm going to run. Yeah. yeah. Not because they're, they're protecting their wife, but in the same way, they'll, maybe they'll use this as a pacifier to get over that sensation. Yeah. So they don't right. feel it anymore. Right. So it numbs them right. so that they can come back and try to repair. Yes. Yeah. Totally. So if I was feeling unsafe as a child in a certain situation, um, there's a part of me that never wants to feel that way again. Right. And so I'm going to run. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to keep myself safe. And, and flight is that anxiety feeling. Um, you know, fight is more related to anger and, and flight is anxiety. And I'm, I'm going to get away, like you said, to protect myself. Mm-hmm. And oh. and I just want to bless that for a moment because that desire to be safe is from God. You know, yeah. and some of those desires I talked about earlier with my friend, that desire to be included, 
that that desire for connection, that is so from God. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so if I'm if I'm only focused on trying to overcome pornography or get away from pornography, I'm still in fight or flight. Yes. Yep. You actually have to have a replacement behavior. It's what you do with that desire, right? Yeah. 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 So if I just try to uh, tough it out and overcome porn and, and like try to resist these sexual desires and slap a Bible verse on it or or maybe just run away, you know, get out of there um, or shame uh-huh. yourself into yeah. getting away from it. Yes, mm-hmm. yep. exactly. Then then I'm still in a battle and it's a battle I can always lose. Yeah. Yeah. So and- we start with fight flight and then the last one is freeze. Okay. Because if flight, fight or flight doesn't work and, and my system gets overwhelmed, then I will actually shut down, mm. zone out, space out. And for me, this means yeah. going on my phone. Ah, yeah. For uh, a lot of people just yeah. scrolling. Exactly. Scrolling. Yep. Re- retreating to the computer. Yeah. And I end up drifting along in another world, totally outside of my body, escaping the whole situation. And so, so we experience kind of uh, a lowering of the breathing. My breathing becomes shallow and and slow. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't even hear what's going on around me. Earth to Drew, what's happening? (laughs) And that's where pornography comes in. Yeah. In that freeze state. Um, It, it puts, it puts a, a stop to, to the crying child. And and if I and if I take out that pacifier, all of a sudden I've got a screaming kid on my hands. Yeah, you're irritable, you're yes. frustrated, angry. Exactly. Exactly. So just being able to name what's happening in my body. Um when when I'm in fight or flight, I can feel. I've got all the feels, but I can't think. I'm not thinking yes. straight. Right. Your prefrontal cortex is completely turned off. Bingo. Oh. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in freeze, I can think and have this little world in my head, but I can't feel. I'm numb. I'm detached. Oh. I'm I'm not here. I might look like I'm here, but I'm not here. I'm in the time machine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, the time machine thing is yeah. a, a metaphor I've never heard before in relation to so pornography true. and yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, so just becoming aware of my body and and maybe doing some breathing exercises or calling a friend, that can help me regulate and come back into a, a state in which I'm able to think and feel at the same time. Okay. And and just become present mm-hmm. and realize that now is not then. Hey, what happened when I was 13? What happened when I was maybe six? What happened when I was mm-hmm. three, especially experiences of sexual abuse, especially any other kind of childhood wounds, um, they're over now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And and just being able so to- Anything grounding. Grounding. Totally. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So that's the so what's, F. What's the L in floss? Yeah. The L is lie. Mm. Talk about that one. We are not always able, you know, when our prefrontal cortex is not plugged in, we're not always able to name whatever lie is going through my head. But usually there's some kind of narrative associated with this. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So. What are some examples? I'm sure you have a 
full list you could give of, <laughs> of, of different narratives that go through your mind. Uh, if you're uh-huh. a married couple, he doesn't love me. Uh, she doesn't want me. Any number of of lies. Understand me. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, totally. if you have been following along, you know that that probably felt true at one time. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe yeah. maybe that was true of my mother. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was true of my siblings. And so you, that lie just kind of, it's on mm-hmm. repeat and yeah. it kind of goes back to, especially when you have them in conjunction, you have that fear mm-hmm. response yeah. and, and then you have the lie going yeah. through your mind at the same time. Yeah. And even though it's a distorted narrative, Generally, we have to try to make sense of what's happening in us or yeah. why we would go to that thing. Yeah, totally. So it does make sense why we'd have something echoing in our mind that would kind of make something okay mm-hmm. to go to that pacifier. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, a justification. That's, a justification. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It, and so that lie is important to be able to name. And even if you can't name it, when you're feeling triggered, that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. we, we can come back to that later. Okay. okay. Uh, so what do you recommend that folks do when they're feeling triggered? Like mm-hmm. just write, write it down. Like how, even if they're can't, they can't name it, how, how do they identify? Well, definitely name the fight, flight, or freeze response. Um, okay. And if you have to skip the L, we'll go straight to the next one. Just another okay. note about the L. I like how John Eldridge has called lies agreements. So mm. in other words, when I, when I believe a lie, like, um, I am not worthy to be this person's friend, or I'm not good enough to be this person's spouse, um, whatever the narrative is for you, it's actually an agreement with what the enemy is speaking into your life. That Ooh, with some of yeah. these childhood wounds, there's often a message attached to it. And so we, when we believe these lies, we're agreeing with the enemy rather than God. <sighs> so good. Bad place to be. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. But that puts it into perspective and shows you the spiritual battle in this. Yeah. Cause a lot of people, um, I think would r- recognize that, you know, pornography is a sin and it's mm-hmm. a spiritual battle, but they probably don't realize where the spiritual aspect of it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of chalk it up to, you know, needing help and like the psychological aspects of the addiction. But that really highlights um, the spiritual battle that's present. We'll be right back to the interview. But first, we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. You know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. It, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a Q&A and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. 
and we share tools. Uh, we have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in, but we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right, back to the interview. Yes, it's a spiritual battle. And I want to be clear here because it's not a battle against our sexuality. It's a battle for the sake of sexuality. Good. That I don't have to fight my urges and desires and impulses if I can understand them, if I can begin to floss it out and see where is this coming from and what's the deeper need going on. Then I can actually bless these desires and move with them in the direction God intended. That is so good. It's it's so good. It's so freeing yes. to be able to um, recognize that this is a battle and um, it's it's not a battle against my body. As it so often feels with some of the porn recovery movement, you know, conquer your sin and fight for purity, uh-huh. you know? Uh, yeah. Because it's such a gift. Like we are sexual beings. Right, right. right. God created us that way and, and he wants us to acknowledge and identify with the sexual aspects of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I like, I like that you're not having this spiritual battle against your sexuality, but if you can fight this battle for the sake of your sexuality, mm-hmm. then go. it can be better than it ever has been. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, because it keeps it still in that domain of it's not good. Yes. Right. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we all know it yeah. is. And like, it is. And you have to rewire yeah. that aspect. Um, of your thinking around it. Exactly. Um, I, lo- I love this. This is really good and helpful. So the L may not be apparent in the moment, mm-hmm. but uh, when you come back and process mm-hmm. it, then you can identify yeah. what the lie was. Right. Okay. Right. So after you identify that fight, flight, or freeze response, see if you can name mm-hmm. a lie and whether you can or not move on to OS. Okay. Uh, the next one is two letters. OS, okay. which stands for origin story. Mm. I gave you an example from middle school. Basically, every trigger tells a story. It's a time machine taking me back to when I was five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old. Um, And the origin story becomes amazingly apparent. Like, it's not that hard to find when you ask a very simple question. When have I felt this way before? This is where the breakthroughs come. When have I felt this way before? That's, yeah, such a good intervention question. Because if you can just start to answer that, even if you don't get a Mm -hmm. full-blown answer or story, you could just like identify with, oh, I remember I was in that room or I remember I was with that person. And And sometimes too, if you change the emotion, like they may be interpreting it one way. And if you just slightly change the emotion a little bit, where they can recognize, oh, it's it was that emotion that I felt in middle school. I remember mm. that. That's so, true. So yeah. maybe it wasn't boredom, but it was loneliness. Mm. Yeah. Right. You know. So when you yeah. have this fight, flight, or freeze response and maybe the lie, you can begin to think, okay, when have I felt this way before? And I'll give you an example. The okay. most recent time when I felt a strong urge to use porn was after booking an Airbnb. As weird as that may sound. And our triggers can take the weirdest shapes. In in this instance, I was trying to book an Airbnb for 
the night of while driving with my family and I found a spot that just opened up uh-huh. and it was $200 cheaper than everything else. Mm-hmm. It was a great deal. And I procrastinated for 10 minutes and lost the oh, no. option. Okay. So for some people, this might be slightly inconvenient. For me, it wrecked me. I didn't want to look my wife in the eyes. Uh, and I was completely going somewhere else in my head. I, it was a disaster for me. And I went through this floss method. I asked, what am I feeling in my body? And the overwhelming urge was flight. I want to get I'm, out of here. Right. I want to avoid mm-hmm. this. I'm, I feel I feel so horrific. I, I don't want to engage with her. I'm, I'm running away from her um, and feeling that urge in my body. Okay, what's the lie going through my head? In this case, I could name it. The lie was, I'm a financial failure, Mm. and I'm a burden to my family. Because you cost the family a couple hundred dollars more in that moment by procrastinating. And so that became an identity piece. I'm a financial failure now because of that story. Right. Exactly. And that took me back in time. So I asked the question, when have I felt this way before? Okay. Yeah. As a child, I had ADD. I frequently lost items. I remember one time I was a hockey player. I was living in Canada at the time. And I showed up at a hockey game with one skate. Um, That would be a problem. That would be a problem. (laughs) And when my dad found out, he was so angry. Ah. and he decided to go home, drive all the way home, get the skate and come back. And I felt like such a burden to him. Like I'm a burden to my father. And, and I remember receiving long lectures, loud lectures about this, um, which I just had to sit through. There was, there was no escape from that. And so I froze. I shut down. I just tried to get through it in my head, zoning out, spacing out. And, and when I frequently would lose items or forget things, it would cost money. Um, and, and losing hockey equipment, for example, would cost money. And That's I, very painful. Yeah, so yeah. painful. And I didn't have a job either. I, my parents never really gave me too many opportunities or much motivation to earn any income. And, and so I just felt like a drain Wow. Financially. So that burden piece was probably the one that resonated Mm -hmm. the most rather than just a failure. But I'm a burden. I'm a burden on my parents right now because of the time that was lost to go get the hockey skate. Mm -hmm. And then I'm a burden on my family right now because of draining that $200, you know, gap. Absolutely. That's not Uh, how my wife felt about it. Not at all. Right. 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 And so when I unlocked that origin story... Mm-hmm. in the Airbnb room that we were able to rent for $200 more, it unlocked the final letter of loss. The last What's S that? is sadness. And I wept at the emotional abuse from my father. At the lack of support and guidance and giving me the equipment that I needed to be able to, to function well 
Yeah. Um, and, and in sadness, I think it's the most underrated emotion. I felt God's heart for me. I was joining with his compassion for myself, for my 10-year-old self. And the fight or flight or freeze response completely dissipated. There's a softening, there's a tenderness, rather than the agitation, rather than the out-of-body dissociation, just give me the iPhone, just give me the computer. Um, my wife hugged me, and it was okay. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing how that awareness of the story mm-hmm. and you, you know, going through it can bring you to that reconciliation mm. with yourself. Yeah. And secondly, with your wife, you could hold that for days. You know, we have mm. couples all the time that this sort of thing derails them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, and you could easily just, you know, when internally didn't face these things, didn't ask these questions, mm-hmm. stayed there, stayed in that triggered spot. And yep. if you were still addicted, that's when you would have found some time to be able to, um, you know, go look at porn, right. to numb yourself out. Totally. So you can try to feel better, mm-hmm. get those, that dopamine rush, get that oxytocin, whatever. Yeah. And then act like it never happened, feel the sadness, mm-hmm. but not joining that with God, not letting God helping you repair that. Yeah. But it's, and that yeah. becomes a cycle. Right. And there are so many barriers to sadness. Like denial or minimization. Oh, my dad was doing the best he could. My parents loved me. and Right. I mean, my parents did love me. That's true. And I was so wounded. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's important to grieve the loss yes. of what mm-hmm. you needed in that origin story in order to kind of fully process what's happening oh, yeah. in the present. Yes. Yeah. To go through that grief, to be with my younger self and and to invite Jesus into it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something sometimes we do in order to enter sadness is to engage in healing prayer and and just ask, where was Jesus in that hockey locker room? How did he feel about what happened? What was the expression on his face? Mm -hmm. And Oh my gosh, it just modifies those memories. So now I don't have a memory of my dad yelling at me. I have a memory of Jesus with me. Mm. And and that becomes a source of strength. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah. And then do you actively yeah. do that then with sit with that memory then mm-hmm. to help you kind of heal that, heal that wound. Do you yeah. actually try to see Jesus in the moment giving you a hug? Showing yeah. you the truth of really what what's happening. Totally. And it's less about trying and forcing it to happen. It's more of an openness um, and allowing my imagination to see whatever he might show me. Um, asking God, how did you feel about me? Could, could you show me a picture of that? Um, could you give me some of those words that I longed to hear? And when we can experience that kind of reparenting by the father, then that little boy can grow up. And that's what I mean by outgrowing porn. 
the need the need for this sexual behavior is eliminated when the wound is healed and and i can step forward into uh, this experience of costing my family $200 okay um i'm i'm going to learn from this i'm going to grow from this i'm going to step into responsibility and i'm going to work with my wife to to i don't know I like to say reverse the curse um, that in the exact place where porn was a predator on me in my experience of abandonment and emotional abuse as a, as a little boy who was in pain, porn, porn took advantage of that. Um, in that very place, um, I can experience the exact opposite. I can experience uh, connection and belonging and validation. Yep. I guess um, one of the things I wanted to say is this whole this whole process is very much in the imagination, um, in memory, in visualization, and that's really where porn has the power. It's not the logical, rational part of my brain, which is drawn to porn. No. It's that right brain, emotion, passion, creativity, which needs to heal. True. Oh, so good. That is so good. So how long have you been walking folks through this floss method in healing and outgrowing porn? Floss method is almost two years old. In many ways, it's the result of what I've learned from other Christ-centered sex addiction therapists. Mm -hmm. nice. like people are doing this work. The floss method just simplifies it and makes it an easy tool you can have in your back pocket for when you get triggered. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So oh. Other than using this tool, which is so helpful, what other resources um, could you give our listeners? Yeah. My favorite book on healing sexual brokenness is Unwanted by Jay Stringer. He's been an amazing mentor for me. And he makes some really surprising connections between childhood wounds and the specific types of porn we're drawn to. Okay. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier with dominance and yes. where that could come from in a childhood. Right. right. So yeah. if I'm feeling powerless in the hockey locker room with my dad, um, then it makes sense that I would have a desire to be in power. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Because you're getting that thing that you don't have right yes, now. Exactly. And you're replacing exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So porn is a cheap substitute. It's really a yes. symbol for the thing that I really do need and that I really do want. And, and Jay unpacks this really well with, with the specificity of things. Um, Great. Okay, well, we'll link that. that one in the show notes. And yeah. then your book, what's the title of your book? Yeah, my book is called Redeemed Sexuality. And both of these resources are actually for men and women, or men or women, okay. which is really great. Although um, my and, ministry... And you, well, oh, I was just going to say, just to clarify, your book is also a workbook for yes. folks doing small group. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Talk about that a little bit more for yeah. people who might want to take advantage of you that resource. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Well, well, who is it for? This book is for 18 to 30 year old Christians who feel stuck in their sexual behavior. It's designed to be peer led. So you don't need a counselor or a pastor to take you through it. You can do it with your friends and, oh, cool. and it's a, a great resource. It's not as in depth into some of the things we've been talking about today. It's still really good though. Okay. Okay. All right. So people looking for someone to, or looking for a resource to kind of guide them in a group setting to find that support, that would be a really good place for them to start. Yeah, that's a good place. And I also collaborated with Jay Stringer to create the unwanted digital workbook. Really? Okay. So we have a workbook for unwanted at unwantedworkbook.com. Okay. Such cool artwork. Yeah. Great. Okay. Uh, and then talk about uh, details for your Facebook group and yeah. how could people can get involved in your class. Yes. You can access the group at husbandmaterialmen.com. Okay. And my class, you're talking about the, the new course that I'm doing, the academy thing? Yeah. Can yeah. you talk about it? Okay. So on September 1st, I took a leap of faith and launched Husband Material Academy. Mm -hmm. And this is a coaching program, not just for individuals or small groups, but for much larger groups. It entails a video course and three weekly coaching calls with me and a private community on an app where these coaching calls are a little bit different than you might think. We put people in the hot seat. So... If it's your turn this week, you're in the hot seat talking about a story from your childhood and how that might connect to your sexual behavior and specific fantasies. Uh-huh. And we engage in this work of developing self-awareness and self-compassion live in front of the other nice. students. Nice. Okay. So it's, you have to be vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. Or or maybe that's not the best word for guys. It's probably authentic. Yeah. Would be the better word. Vulnerable, authentic. And then at the end of those hot seat sessions, we open up 15 minutes for people to give you as much appreciation as you can handle. So it it's very much an honoring experience where people will point out your strength and your beauty and your goodness that you might not be able to see while telling these stories. Wow. It has to very be so cool. fulfilling to watch that happen and watch yeah, people be strengthened. Yeah, it's really cool. We don't record those calls just to yeah. maintain yeah. for privacy. Yeah, yeah. integrity of it. Yeah. Get it. So yeah. the the course then that you're talking about right now, mm-hmm. um, that is like a cohort oriented, where you start a new cohort every so often. Actually, it's evergreen. You can join at any time um, and go through at your own pace, and you can find out more at joinhma.com. Okay. I'm going to link that in the show notes as well. Join hma.com. Yeah. Okay. Well, as we transition to the end of our podcast, um, we ask everyone to participate in the Dear Young Married Couple letter. Um, For folks who are listening right before we jump into that letter, if you're enjoying what you're listening to, please um, leave a review, rate and review the podcast. It helps us reach many, many more couples. All right. So we'll jump into that letter. Uh, So Drew, uh, just rewinding back to your first few years of marriage, um, what advice do you wish you would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. 
Dear young married couple, even if you don't have kids, you do have kids. You have a 12-year-old self, a six-year-old self, even a three-year-old self, and so does your spouse. When you get triggered, those kids are showing up. Will you show up with them? Will you be present with them and invite Jesus into that family? Love your inner child and your wife will thank you. That's really good. That is good. so good. And your husband too. Yes. Oh, wow. Man, this has been so inspiring. I know it's going to impact so many people. Folks that are listening, if you want to get in touch with Drew, um, you know, we linked the resources that he shared in the show notes, um, but you can also contact him via email, drew at husbandmaterial.com. And you can also text his work phone number. He gave permission to share that. So that's 805-881-3673. And I'm sure that he will come alongside you and help you with uh, the resources that you need for healing and growth. Yeah. Thank you, Drew. This is so helpful. And you're doing important work. Yes. Um, Thank you. This is such a huge deal right now in our society, in our culture. Yeah, in and our church culture. In our church culture. And, mm-hmm. and we need, frankly, more um, open talks like this and resources to help people get free. Um, so thank you so much for sharing and giving all this awesome material. This is going to be so helpful to a lot of people. Thank you. Thanks, Kings. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.